Yeah. Hi, and welcome to the second episode of Driving Leadership, where we discuss leadership examples, lessons, failures, and practical tools to improve the leadership in your organization, things that you can implement right now and changes that you can make right where you are. I'm David Foster, and my co-hosts are Mike Metcalf and Sean Pete from Deck Leadership. Our mission here is to provide you with the ability to improve your business and improve the community around your business by giving you both the mechanisms about how leadership works and the tools and techniques to improve that leadership. And that's using our experiences, our failures, and what we've learned over the years. So good evening, Sean and Mike. Good evening, good morning, wherever you are. David, how are you, man? Excited to, excited that we made it to number two. Like, what an accomplishment. We're, uh, we're rolling. If the, if the first step is the hardest, the second is the second hardest. Correct, correct. And so we have a good topic tonight. And that is, uh, we talked before we hit record about diversity being a, quite a big subject these days, deservedly so. But there's more than one type of diversity. And I always refer to it as the diversity of diversity. And it's important to have, which we'll get to, it's important to figure out how to manage that and evaluate it. And we'll give people ways to do that. But I want to throw out, just as a fast start, what does diversity mean in the workplace? To me, to me it's, it's simply wholeness. Uh, it's not, here goes the neighborhood. It's not, oh, we have to get more colorful. It's bringing different experiences. We have a team acronym, diversity of thought, experience, age, and motor. And we can get to that here in a minute. But it's, um, it's getting away from a very monolithic, single, narrow kind of group of people. You know, we always mm-hmm. hit these like walls where it's like, man, we we can't break through. And so many times it's because everybody at the table is from the same background and thinking the same. And until we get diversity, um, we're limiting ourselves. So for us, diversity is a performance, you know, it's a performance strategy. It's how we get better. And mm-hmm. um, I wish more people saw it that way. Yeah. And one thing, David, we, you know, for, for me, diversity is strength. Um, you know, one thing when Mike and I became pit crew coaches, we were just pit crew athletes. And one thing that we knew for certain was that we would not have all the answers. Mm-hmm. But what we did know is that the more people that we could bring to the table that thought differently than us, that looked differently than us, that had different upbringings than us, the better chance we had that someone would sit at the table with the key to unlock the answers we didn't have. Mm. And sure enough, as we got this thing rolling, that, helped, that happened a number of times. And had that not been something that, that we valued, um, I don't know if we would have taken it to where we took it. So could you say, or could we say, that diversity, like the definition of diversity, almost has, I, I don't know, if two stages or two types of diversity. Like one would be the, <clears throat> excuse me, one would be the legal or human resources definition that is you know, rightly supposed to help guide and correct some of our cultural wrongdoings and cultural imbalance. But then there's also a diversity that isn't included in those definitions, right? So it's not 
necessarily race or gender or in some areas age, religion, but it's the diversity of personality type. It's diversity of attitude. It's the diversity of, you know, really, really temperament, right? And when, when, you're, when you're leading a team and you're thinking about, this is what I think anyway, when you're leading a team and you're thinking about diversity or you're thinking about performance, and really those things are completely intertwined, I, I think having a more holistic approach to how people are diverse just serves not only the people but the organization better. Yeah, I think that, well, first to go back, diversity is both internal and external, right? So there's kind of like what you say, the things that you can see, you know, if you're, uh, if it's sports, right, Mm -hmm. there's, and we are uh, a football team, you're going to need the diversity of size. You can't have the running backs on the O-line, you can't have the (laughs) the O-line being the receivers, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's a, there's just some basic things that we need to get right. But then there's, like you said, the internal part. And that's where I think people really miss it. Because, there's more diversity in personality than there are ethnicities. Like, I mean, and then there's hundreds of ethnicities, but right. there's so far more personality types. And I think people kind of skip out on that. They look at resume, they look at experience, and none of that has anything to do with someone's personality, <laughs> you know? And so we're missing maybe one of the most important parts. And then I think the most important part for diversity conversations is culture. If your culture is not conducive to an environment where diverse personalities can thrive and flourish and where their voices are valued and where people feel like they can speak up Mm -hmm. then you're kind of wasting your time. Um, And so, so many companies in the last couple of years went out and hired chief diversity officers, but they don't have a culture. They don't have a cultural officer. They don't have people that are continuously feeding into and building and establishing what the culture is. And so uh, I just, I look around, I see a lot of misses, and hopefully, you know, conversations like this can help. Why do you think that is, Mike? It seems it's, uh, I think there's a lot of performativism. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but I think we're a very quick fix, microwave fix society. And so it's like, okay, what's missing? <clears throat> what's everybody else doing? Oh, they just hired a diversity officer. We're going to hire one too. Meaning, in the meantime, I mean, that should be a department that should be several people and it should be people not brought in from the outside, but people that know the personalities in the building. Right. Mm-hmm. And know how to get those to flourish and work together. And so um, it looks good on paper. It's checks the boxes for, you know, the C-suite board, you know, recommendations of making sure that our board is showing that we have this position filled. Um, mm-hmm. But the implementation and execution. Um, so a lot of times there's a gap. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and David, I think, you know, like we see with our eyes the merest fraction of a human being, right? What is it? It's 11 grams and 195 pound uh, uh, male, a difference in, you know, melatonin, mm-hmm. right? So we're 0.00000645 different from one another. So, like Mike's saying, you know, there's the performative piece where, okay, we have um, a black person and a brown person and an Asian person and an LG, you know what I mean? Like, like, but the thing is, is if, if, say they all went to Stanford and they were all in the same fraternity house and they all drank the same beer mm-hmm. and then you roll these people in your company, do you have diversity? I, I mean, outwardly, if you look at it, 
Sure, but is that that's performative in nature, right? You're just mm-hmm. checking boxes at that point. It's like like Mike said, you know, putting these people in positions, you know, like a chief diversity officer, and then not giving them any teeth. You no, know, not giving them the rope to make change, not giving them the rope to, to weigh in on decisions that steer the company. Um, and I think that's you know that's what you mean the diversity of diversity. It's getting beyond that that visual layer, right, to the thing that truly moves companies. It truly moves the needle. Well, I would say, yes, and I would I would say this that there's there's diversity for the pamphlet, right? Mm-hmm. The the picture that's in the that's in the annual report, right? Look, we have one of these, right, and it's that visual identification, right, and that's that's almost horrible i think right because it can be twisted so easily into something that's not very helpful but then what i think is really missing is this idea that you have to have well you you have to have conflict in a team in order to have collaboration and that sort of like that that journey of two people who don't agree but they they're on the same path towards getting a, a good decision or a good solution and that solution is always better if they're different and so if people are the same like you said they you know maybe they're different ethnicities but they came from the same fraternity right or they came from the same lacrosse team then they're not going to think differently enough to come up with a good solution and i think that that comes down to or I think that's limited by a leader's vulnerability, right? Sure. If a leader cannot be vulnerable enough to have someone who they are truly different from or truly disagree with about different things as part of the team, it's going to be very difficult to do anything other than just sort of check the boxes, right? Correct. And so I think if you're, if you're in a leadership position, and this is sort of skipping to the very last thing in my notes, is, is to almost like do your own informal audit of your team, whoever your team is that you're responsible for. Maybe that's the company, maybe that's the pit crew, maybe that's the marketing department, right? But you can very easily make a, a Google spreadsheet and you can start talking about, you know, the, the different legal definitions of diversity, but you can also talk about whether it's the team definitions, right? You can also add in personality, temperament, you know, work habit, and see, you know, like, d- does my entire organization think this one way, and what am I missing, right? And I don't know if you guys did that on your, on your pit crew teams, or whether you looked at it that way. No, I think, you know, what we did is, you know, our competitors were going out and recruiting the Big Ten and the SEC, looking for athletes. Mm-hmm. And we thought, you know, it would be easy for us to just use our channels, right? I'll go get a hockey player from Dartmouth. Michael will get a couple football players from App State. And I think so many of us fall victim to that, right? We have a high performer in our team, and we're like, well, you recommend this person? Okay, yeah, we'll bring them in because you're a high performer, so they must be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what we did is, is instead of us you know, you know, pointing a finger at people and saying, okay, we should get him, him or he or her. Mm-hmm. We're like, anybody can come to Chip Ganassi Racing at the time. Right? Mm-hmm. So you open it up to everybody. Mm-hmm. And then 
our number one recruiting criteria is we put nothing above being a world-class human being. So it didn't mm -hmm. matter what you came and looked like, right? You showed up and didn't matter, like I said, color, gender, religious mm -hmm. affiliation. We had a highly curated first day. And if you navigated that first day successfully, you were moving on with us. And what that led to was the most diverse, the most racially diverse pit crew in the history of NASCAR. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I would argue maybe the most diverse, right? Because we don't agree with everyone. There are days where we argue. There mm -hmm. are a lot of days we don't agree with one another. Mm -hmm. But there's the result is excellence, right? Because we don't, you know, I think we talked last time. When, when everyone's agreeing in your business or your team, you don't have harmony, you have apathy, mm -hmm. right? And it takes people challenging, you know, challenging us on, on, on these thought processes and, and the way we've these behaviors that we default to when we're building teams. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, because you, 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 you know, ran a lot of successful businesses. I mean, I, I imagine there's a massive temptation that if you have a really high-performing employee and they recommend someone, it's probably hard not to be like, yeah, let's take a look. Yeah, and I think, so that's a fair point. I, it's almost impossible not to, and there's an awful lot of logic to at least look, right? And I have to say, you know, one thing that I've always said is consider the source of your information. So if I have a high performing employee and he or she makes a recommendation, I have to consider why they're making the recommendation or that place from which they are thinking this is a good idea, right? And I know that for some of the employees who were close to me at different times, I could get a recommendation and my immediate response would be, that's great, thank you, I'll, I'll you know, take it under consideration or whatever the phrase is. And I would walk away thinking, I probably don't need another Sean Pete on this team, right? Like, yeah. as, as good as he is, I don't need another one or the team doesn't need another one, right? But then there were some employees who would say, you know, I, we need to hire somebody for this, you know, IT group, and we don't have somebody who thinks this way, and, you know, this person that I used to work with at this big company does, let's talk to that, that person, right? Yeah. And so, in some ways, you know, the quality of the recommendation or the, the perspective of the person making the recommendation is really important, right? But I want to go back to when you said you had a highly curated first day, right? Right. And I, I can see Mike laughing, <laughs> right? Like, how do, you, how do you craft a day, you know, a tryout, so that you get a sense of somebody's humanity and how that works in the idea of diversity knowing that you know to be blunt people are really good at faking things they're often coached to fake things right absolutely, absolutely. i mean look at resumes <laughs> right that's right. got nothing to do with the people usually no no, we talk. We say all the time. Like it's a Dave Ramsey quote. Even a, a donkey can look like a thoroughbred for the first two interviews, right? So how do we? It takes us two years to coach someone up. 
we need to know right away if we're getting donkeys or if we're getting thoroughbreds. So, so how do you how do you do that? I think the first thing, and this is just something that we've recently implemented, is uh, there's a phone call the night before. Mm-hmm. And the and the reason the phone call is important is because all you get on the other end is a voice, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get the picture of that person walking up to practice, right? So you're going to form your first impression simply based on a voice, mm-hmm. not their gait, not their body structure, n- nothing, not the color of their skin, not that, you know, I mean, obviously gender, you can probably, you know, determine through the phone, but you're still trying to, to kind of play where, you know, your, your, your biases have not crept in yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we mm-hmm. ask them to be in practice at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. If they show up at 8 a.m., they're gone. They show mm-hmm. up at 7.30, they get a check mark, and they move on. And why is that? Uh, you know, I think it just speaks volumes about uh, their excitement, right? Mike talked about motor, and he'll get into that more of that. But, like, we want people that are excited to be there because we mm-hmm. feel we can win with those people. Mm-hmm. And if you're just barely getting by on your first day, it's not going to get better, right? Like, you just talked about how resumes are fake, right? We always mm-hmm. talk about how, you know, as the bosses, we always get the representative, Right, that's the best version of somebody. That's mm-hmm. the person that shows up the first day mm-hmm. on the first date. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, what they, what we're trying to do is peel those layers back. Mm-hmm. So you know if they show up on time, uh, then they're going to watch two and a half hours of a NASCAR pit practice. And you can imagine there's a lot of busy work, a lot of dirty work, you know, mm-hmm. that goes on in practice, cleaning greasy wheels and oily jacks and all that stuff. If they jump into that work unprompted. They get a check mark and they move on. Mm-hmm. If they don't, they're gone. What does that show to you? It it, it shows a, an ownership mentality. Mm-hmm. Right? That they don't have to be asked to do everything. That they want to be part of it. That they see something amiss, or that if someone needs a hand, even though they're not asked, mm-hmm. you know, they jump in there. It speaks volumes. Okay, if they get that check mark. We go up to the gym. It is the hardest workout of the week on Wednesday, right? And and all these tryouts are Wednesday morning. There's, we don't do them any other day. And we don't ask you to jump the highest or lift the most weights. But when you come in, we ask you to get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we've had people you know, throw up in the middle of it, come back and finish it. And this one guy thought he was gone. And Mike and I loved it. And uh, what that shows, it shows their intestinal fortitude. So like, pitting, race cars is, pitting race cars is hard. And, and if you, you, you better have some grit to your, you're not going to last long. Mm-hmm. So it reveals that part that makes us successful. Now, imagine this. Um, you've only been on campus for about three and a half hours. You're exhausted from a workout. We have 26 alpha males and females on our team, everyone from former NFL players to United States Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, David, break the group up for me. Right? That's, that's not an easy thing to do, to you know, bring everyone's hands in the middle and say something that inspires these people that you don't even know. And you're probably terrified of. Right. Shows how you handle pressure. So, you know, if that goes well, you know, we send them for lunch with a bunch of the, the folks on the team. If, if they give us the check Mark, Mike and I'll sit them down um, to answer some questions for us. But before that, what we'll do is we'll ball up a piece of paper and we'll put it right in the center of the door jam. Mm-hmm. So that when they come into our office, they have two choices. They can step over the piece of paper or they can pick it up and throw it in the trash. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it, it speaks to the owner versus renter mentality. And, and I think that what that has allowed Mike and I to do is not get 
enraptured by the eye candy, right? We had a kid come in, linebacker, uh, you know, all like physically gifted. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to help out cleaning tires, right? So instead of being like, oh, okay, we'll give him a pass on that. But, you know, he'll be good in the workout. We've had no success. And we've had success when we have adhered to that and stuck to that. And, um, you know, it's just something that, that we've allowed us to build what we built. You know, and allows us to take a lot of preconceived notions and biases out because we're holding everyone to the same account. If they don't get through it, they don't come with us. So, so Mike, before I ask you guys to take people I want to interview onto a Wednesday pit crew tryout, <laughs> can, can you explain to the dear listener how that translates to not the boardroom, but the interview room where people are, you know, business casual? Yeah, I think this was a a process that we developed over time. We made a couple key. Now we made a few key hires out of the gate that are still with us and we wouldn't look back. And then there was another couple that we kind of did the highly recommended, had Mm -hmm. the resume. Mm -hmm. And man, I I mean, one of them made it maybe two, two months, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's another one that was about maybe three or four months. And these were talented people, you know? Um, They just weren't our people. They just weren't going to pull the rope in the right direction. And so, you know, from making those mistakes, we're like, all right, we got to do something different. And it's not lost on us. I mean, I'm, you know, Sean's explaining this process and I'm like, this is it. That's exactly what we do. It's not lost on us that, man, there, there might be one or two that just didn't have a good run and we missed out. But it's our process and that's what we're working with and it's proven to be successful over time. Um, and I think it's just the, it's the intention, you know, it's the intention of being able to dive deep into, to all these things that we're talking about, like personality, work ethic, um, collaboration, all the things that you get into board retreats two years from now and say, what do we need more of? And it's, it's always the same stuff. Any, any company, anywhere in the world, communication, collaboration, all the same stuff right so Mm -hmm. we're gonna at least have some type of intention for that Mm -hmm. from the Mm -hmm. beginning uh so when it comes to the boardroom i mean the the practical application that i always push for is is throw them into a real world like right now scenario and see how they would handle it like hey this is the issue that we're struggling with today um this is what we need our team to do our group to do whatever you know, what, what do you think? Like, what would be your solution to it? And obviously you're asking them to answer something that's impossible. They don't know all the information, all the players, but are they thinking about stuff like that? Because sometimes people will surprise you and you'll say, okay, one of our questions that we have a survey, it's called the removing the representative survey. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it just sort of says survey to them, but for us, it's what we have it labeled under. And one of the questions is, is who is the very best at this position that you're interviewing for and what makes them really good at it. Mm -hmm. Have they thought about the position? Have they Mm -hmm. researched the position? Do they understand people that are good at it? Have they looked them up, reached out to them, things like that? And so it's trying to put people in real life scenarios. It's trying to create those same kind of moments where 
Um, there's an interaction with somebody that's not important, somebody who can't do anything from them, a janitor, a, mm-hmm. a secretary, and kind of force some interaction and just see how it goes. Because if, you know, if you say you're a great person, a nice person, and you're not nice to your waiter, you're probably not a great person, right? Like it, great people are great experiences all the time. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to get to those, like how you're going to treat the person who you're not in who isn't important. It happens at the racetrack all the time. The CEO's brother will show up and nobody knows who he is or sister. Nobody knows who she is. And somebody's kind of a dick to him and it gets back. And then, you know, it's like, Hey, we, you gotta go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's trying to get people to realize and understand that uh, this is bigger than just a job description bigger than just a process that you're going to have to implement, that there's a whole entire team of people that have to work together. And I was just looking up the word conflict because you said it and it's like everybody sees conflict as like this bad thing. And it's not. No. One of the definitions of it was just to clash. Well, what happens when you're clash? You're you're coming together. And and I think there's a lot of good things that happen from that when you come together, right? So um, our main thing in this is interview process, and like I said, as it implements to to a boardroom, um, is just trying to get people to understand that you know they the resume thing just doesn't really do a whole lot. Anymore. No, it doesn't. And so, so <laughs> let me bring this back. Let me bring this back to not only the diversity of diversity, but to you know people who do interview others and and lead teams in business casual on Zoom in in meetings with water coolers and whatnot. And <clears throat> although I'm tempted to send every applicant down to you guys so they can wash greasy wheels and throw up on the gym floor before I talk to them, I think that <clears throat> I think that, you know, uh, the version that that I used or we used over the years was to was to take somebody and put them in the context of that process, the meeting, where maybe we didn't ask them exactly the question that you said, how would you handle this, right? Because that, in some ways, you're absolutely right. It, it, it takes something, you know, well, they don't know this or they don't know how to do that. And that that takes away the the ability for this person to show how they engage. But if you if you take somebody who's interviewing for say the IT department and put them in a meeting for even just half an hour, 20 minutes with a number of people in the IT department where they're talking about something where if we don't hire them, we don't have to kill them. There's no sensitive information, but to see how they interact, right? And, and, and people would fall into almost disparate groups. The first one was they tried to impress. Well, you don't understand what, you know, what Apple do or what EMC does is this, that, and the other thing, right? And that's what you guys should do. The, the other group, unfortunately, was almost like a fawn response where they would just sort of sit back and nod and smile. And if they were asked a question, they would say, well, kind of like Mike said, I agree with that, right? That's sort of like corporate bullshit. But if we got somebody who actually engaged, had the balls to say, you know, I don't know if I exactly see it that way. What about this? And then they could also understand somebody else's point and you know, maybe at least engage in the process of reaching a solution. There you go. 
they would get quote unquote the check mark at that at that point, right? In your terms. Yeah. And I think that comes back to everyone not being on the same page and they're not on the same page because they have different ethnicities, genders, backgrounds, temperaments, mindsets. You know, we talk a lot about mindsets mindsets amongst ourselves. And there are some mindsets that are, well, they're not that positive, but not all of them are bad, right? And so to see a team that is too homogenous in almost any way is to lose the ability or to lose the, lose the advantage of having that productive conflict that gives you the most creative and unique situations, right? And Mike, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's like a head hanging, God, you're exactly right. Like, there's too much value put on this idea of like, okay, we're all on the same page, right? We can all like nod our heads and say, okay, great. Nobody had to have a fight or we didn't have to actually think about what we're doing because we're just going with Jerry's idea. That's fine, right? And so I think that, you know, if we want to tell people, if somebody's listening, okay, fine, this is all great. What do I do? I really like this idea of like literally sitting down, you write all the names of the people that you're responsible for, that you work with on one side of your spreadsheet. And along the top, you think of all the different ways that they can or need to be diverse, right? And this isn't a spreadsheet that you're going to give HR is going to show up in a court hearing or anything like that, but it's how do I manage my team, right? And so, like you said, if you're on a football team and everyone is the size and the body composition of the offensive line, well, that may not work so well, right? And that's just a small example of, of how you split up the different types of diversity. I think temperament is a really, really big one, right? Because in my experience, grumpy people are just as valuable as the people who are not grumpy, as long as they've got maturity and vulnerability and the willingness to engage, right? Right. But, you can learn a lot of lessons from grumpy people, right? I also think the mindset is different. It can be different between people and can be very valuable. And I don't, I'm not exactly sure if you guys agree with that approach. I, I did. I, I only agree if we're talking about foundationally grumpy people. So people that are grumpy all the time, I'm good with that. What I'm not good with is a grumpy person who's grumpy on Tuesday, wants to be your best friend on on Wednesday, is back to being grumpy on Thursday, is kind of in between on Friday. Like like that doesn't work for us. And Mm -hmm. when you talk about temperament, we the word we use is motor, right? Like like you know. And again, think of the diversity in that. Think of the diversity of temperament, right? If Mm -hmm. you have a room full of introverts, that's exhausting. If you have a room full of we call them idiots. Like there are like our type A, like big time, you know, big energy guys. Mm-hmm. That would be equally exhausting, mm-hmm. right? And again, mm-hmm. it goes to your point. You know, you, you need a little bit of all of it to make it gonna go around, mm-hmm. right? You know the, you know Mike. You know I've been with Mike a long time on these teams, and I was the loudmouth, and mm-hmm. Mike was the introvert. And what was interesting was every time Mike spoke up, the room would get quiet, mm-hmm. right? Because he spoke so infrequently. 
Mm-hmm. Right? But but that that gave us strength, right? You you he was the foundational piece where everyone was like, okay, if he's got something to say, it must it must matter. Or if Mike isn't speaking up, then maybe you know the loudmouth has it right on 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 this instant, right? So mm-hmm. no, I, I think that's <laughs> that's very important. And I love I love your idea of the audit, right? Of, of going down and and each person's you know uh, idea of diversity is going to be different, like you said. And really understanding, okay, um, here's my team. How do they think? And, and you could, I mean, however you wanted to do that, political affiliation, religious affiliation, um, early riser, did they go to college, all these different things. And I think a lot of people would be shocked at, at, at how, how similar so many of them are because because we default to these, yes. these biases that we just have on, you know, on, that are automated in our brains. Yes. And so... And, and- and if we're real quick, if we're being honest, the first person that has to be on that audit sheet is ourselves, right? If we're if we're good if we're leaders, and it's it's got to be our audit and being honest, and then seeing where our gaps are, and then trying to build our team um, to 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 complement those. But so often we do this kind of stuff, and you see where the gaps are, and they've kind of hired away from those. Right. Yes. And so as so that nobody else can, you know, come in and conflict or challenge in that. And, and I think that's a miss. Right. And so then um, we've had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> but but go ahead. What were you going to say? Dave? And, well, I, I want to add to what you said, because, dear listener, if you're on your Google sheet right now and you've made the mistake of putting your name first, we'll talk about that in another episode. Put your name down at the bottom. And then when you fill out your temperament, political affiliation, whatever the thing is that you see in terms of diversity, I personally would recommend going to some people and figuring out how to work it into the conversation where you end up with the question, you know, where would you put me on the political spectrum, for instance? Or, you know, when you talk about me is do you say I'm an early riser or that I'm grumpy or whatever it is and try to find out from the people around you where you sit because often our our impression of the way we are may not be that accurate right and so then what I wanted to add to that is this idea of you know a lot of a lot of business coaches or or collaboration coaches, they talk about the improv model, right? Where actors get on stage and you have to add to what the previous actor has said or, or make a story out of what's happening. And that kind of happens in different stages, right? There's mimicking and then there's like the reaction and then the, the ultimate version, which is what you want in business, is this sort of like generative improvisation where two people who necessarily have to differ on what their what their perspective is which speaks to the diversity they are both willing to go forward and figure out where they're going to end up together and they necessarily end up with a solution and that might be a solution to you know the facebook marketing campaign for the president's day sale or the new iteration of the product, or how to structure a team, whatever the decision is, they necessarily end up at a decision that they almost, it would be almost impossible for them to do on their own. 
And I think that's why we need diversity to be good humans and to pass the, the, the Wednesday morning test, right? <clears throat> but we also need diversity to have better businesses and have better, happier employees and better community around them, right? And so I don't know how much that plays into the pit crews because as my uncle who was a master mechanic used to say, nuts are nuts and bolts are bolts and they only screw together one way, right? But having worked with you guys in the past, I can see how the management of the people who do that is really the critical thing and not how the nut spits on there. So I, I want to throw that out there about this, this idea of needing difference in the team in order to get better solutions. Do you, um, do you have a 401k? <laughs> Depends who asks, but yes. I'm not, I don't work for the IRS. So, okay. <laughs> but, uh, one question we asked is, is it, is it diversified? Have you diversified your portfolio? Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Cause Why there's different risk profiles of different things. Yeah. Okay. So just from a simple standpoint of that, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. We're just talking, instead of it being in funds, we're talking about humans, you know, that are a part of our team, having different tiers of things. And I'll, and I'll dive real quick into just, we have diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of age, and diversity of motor. Mm -hmm. And high level uh, thought is people that just think different, right? Some people think the world is a circle. Some think it's flat still. You know, I think mm -hmm. it's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> 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 I wasn't going to name any names, but, uh, you know, people that have different, different, um, you know, processes of how they get to certain solutions, I think is awesome. Uh, experience people. And that is so broad there, you know, uh, life experience, work experience, um, socioeconomic experiences, uh, you know, people that are very like small town, never left one stoplight people that mm -hmm. travel the entire world. They're just going to mm -hmm. see the world in, in completely different eyes. And that's great. Age is obviously young people, older people, you know, that youthful experience, excitement, but then also that, that wisdom that comes with having been around the sun a few more times, but then also age of, um, age in the industry people that have been in that have a lot of experience. It's also really good. Some of our best ideas have come from people that have no idea. They're like, what, what do we use that for? And everyone's like, uh, duh, it's because of this. They're like, mm -hmm. well, what if we flipped it? Or what if you changed it? It's like, mm -hmm. I never thought mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. Because they're new to it. They're seeing it with new eyes. And then also just the age of your, just your culture and your, your process and all that stuff, you know, age we're all getting older right we could all bend and run a little bit faster when we were a little bit younger so i think uh <laughs> keeping our like our group age young mm -hmm. you know and, and, like keeping our mindset young and pliable i think so many times the quickest way to get to adapting and changing all just kind of comes back into the the speed or rate in which we are able to change our minds and it's harder to change your mind when you get older right so just keeping your mind fresh and sharp uh and then motor is is it's we talking about driving leadership you know it's a it's great to have a big beautiful ferrari but if there's no motor in it, it ain't going anywhere right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> those personalities and um, our, our temperaments and the things that we've talked about today, those are the things that really drive. And so um, you need you need you need sales, you need Teslas, you need diesel gas. I mean, if we're trying to drive this thing, I want every motor type of transportation possible uh, to get us there. And so uh, and all that just spills team. And, and these things are what bring our teams together and can bring any team together. Mm hmm. I think I think I want to add one more thing to my spreadsheet idea, and I, I don't love spreadsheets to be fair. <clears throat> and that is if if you make your spreadsheet and you find out that you've got you've got ten people on your team, and nine of them are loudmouth Shans, <laughs> and one of them is a very introverted Mike, and you're the leader of that team, your immediate job. I would say at the very next meeting is to make sure that you go in there and somehow serve as, you know, the blocker in a football term, American football term, to open up a path for that introvert to say something, right? Because nine against one or those kinds of odds are very difficult. And it can be very, very easy for a group to just, you know, go with the majority, so to speak. Right. And so not only do you have to take into account the diversity of diversity or the different types of diversities when you hire, but I think you also have to take into account what actually happens tomorrow at the meeting. Right. And make sure that you 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 exemplify that it's OK to be different, that it's OK to differ and what happens when you allow those differences to come out. But if you've got a, you know, uh, a group that basically runs over the, the minority position, so to speak, you need to go in there and protect those, right? Because not only is it good for the people, but it's also good for your business outcome. Yes, it is. And I agree with you, but a lot of people aren't going to do that or they're going to do it. There's going to be backlash from the nine and then they're going to stop. <clears throat> and then that's why that's when you have to understand that, okay, doing the right thing is the right thing. And the leader of the group has to see around corners and has to see ahead and know that this is going to help make the team stronger. It just might not feel that way in the moment. You know, we talk about you mean the leader is going to get the backlash. Sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we've seen that. You know, I think you know with a lot of the diversity stuff, it, people mean well and want to do the right thing, and it's like, oh, do we have time? Or we're really busy right now, and you know, there's all these reasons for why change shouldn't happen. Um, and I think it's up to us as leaders to keep pushing. And I, I think I I don't think that point should be should be missed, right? Like I really think you know. We we keep hearing about like this, uh, you know, th th this lack of time that exists in corporate America. And diversity is hard, right? Because when you have diverse, when you bring diversity in, you know, the old Lombardi way of leading people of just throwing a blanket over everybody and leading them all the same way, is an archaic way of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And the more diversity you bring in, the more you're really gonna have to understand the human factors that drive each person on your team. Right. And the more th that those people aren't like you, the more difficult conversations you have to have and the more present you need to be and all these things that um, we feel we don't have time for. But by say, if, you, if you're saying you don't have time for me, it just means it doesn't matter to you. Right. right? And um, 
And, and that's why, you know, we knew other teams weren't doing this. So if we could do a better job at it, it would be an advantage for us. And, and it proved to be one. And not having time to have the difficult conversations, I think, is an awful lot like that. I don't have time to meditate for 15 minutes a day. Well, then that means that you need to meditate for an hour a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's like you don't have you don't have time to stop Gail in the hallway to find out, you know, what's happening or have some sort of like sincere interaction. That means that you have to email Gail and get her to come in and talk to her about what's happening and talk to the other people about what's happening because you may have one of those situations where you're going to have to go to you know, the, the product development meeting and make sure that, you know, the, the one quiet guy doesn't get overruled and you get a better solution out of it. Yeah. I have to constantly remind myself, there's so many days where I'm, I'm heading out and I'm like, I didn't do nearly as much as what I wanted to accomplish today. But in multiple scenarios, somebody said, hey, can I talk to you about something? And I just sat down and was like, yep, now's a good time. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And I've spent hours just spending time with people on the team, working through issues, hearing their problems, trying to help them get through solutions. And I have to remind myself, you know what? I did my job. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe those are some I'll probably look back when I'm older and say, you know, what, man, actually, those were my most productive days because those are the days where you connected with people. You thought in real time, you, you know, analyze situations that needed to be done. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, a, you know, a little a little reminder for those that, you know, as you're diving deeper into leadership, you know, sometimes those days aren't going to be big days of checking boxes. But sometimes the only box we need to check is connecting with the people on our team. Yeah. And making it OK for them to be different. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we've gone around the bend on this one. I think in case anybody's forgotten that I recommended the spreadsheet (laughs) (laughs) to say, you know, is like a a black and white way to say, okay, how diverse is my team in all these different ways? And I think, you know, going out and, and, and exemplifying that it's okay to be different and allowing that to happen, even if you have to use some of your leadership influence during a meeting, I think that's a good thing. And, um, I also think that it's quite clear to everybody that an awful lot can be solved by, you know, making somebody clean greasy wheels and making them puke on the gym floor. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. And, and like just being intentional, right? Like divert the, the whole diversity equation is intention, right? Mm-hmm. So being yeah. intentional on who you're bringing into your team, into your business, it's, it starts there, mm-hmm. right? It's not the, I don't have time. Oh, he's your, your buddy. Yeah. Bring him in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, I love the fact that you would you would tell your high performers, yeah, I don't need another one of those. Because right? a mm-hmm. lot of people wouldn't. Um, and I, I imagine that's one of the reasons why you're successful, right? Because you didn't just default to these patterns that we see um, in a lot of the businesses that Mike and I... And again, Mike and I's understanding of corporate America is extremely limited. But what we've seen in it so far, we're like, wow. <laughs> like, we thought... We thought we were idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so many of these people, man, they, I mean, I don't know. They ask really smart questions, but they're not tough questions. Right. Ask tough questions. Whatever spreadsheets you're working on, ask tough questions. Uh, one of the 
I mean, I'm still thinking about it. Two weeks ago, we're on a call with Torn Ellis and he asked his diversity strategist and he asked, um, how many companies do you think exist that have gender inequality when it comes to pay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you probably think, oh, that's a pretty standard. Like I can think of several. He was like, all right, now who hands out contracts and stuff like that generally um, <laughs> at companies? And it's like women. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you think of who are the HR directors of most companies, they're mostly female. And he's like, OK, so why do you think that is? I was like, I don't I'm still trying to figure out what the answer is, but it's a tough question. And I'm thinking about it. And I'm at some point going to go the next time I hear anything like that. Like, all right, well, let's go set up a meeting with your HR director mm-hmm. who is female. And let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's figure out, you know, the only way to get to, to new ideas is ask new questions. Right. So, you know, if we're thinking about diversity, if we're asking the same questions we always have, where'd you come from? What'd you do? Where'd you go to school? Who, who's referring you? How much experience do you have? We're going to keep getting the same experience. And I think we're all looking for something new now. Right. And I, I want to I tease out a, a future topic here. Yep. And that is, if we take Mike's example of, of an American football team and different skill sets and body types and, and dispositions for different positions, in a lot of ways, that's because the team works better that way, right? And so there are jobs where you need people who have certain dispositions to do them, right? But you can still get diversity within that group, right? Now, I do have a couple of good friends who are coders, and I'm sure they will forgive me to say (laughs) that, you know, in the grand scheme of humanity, they tend to be a little bit more direct and grumpier than the average bear, right? But that works when you need a website built or when the SaaS product needs to be modified or the ERP implemented or whatever it is. And so, you know, this isn't, dear listener, the easiest thing in the world, right? Because, you know, taller people are generally more successful at basketball than shorter people because the net's kind of high. Right. And so there are different tasks within business that that lean towards being advantageous to be a certain way. But that doesn't mean you can't have diversity within those tasks or within your team. But we'll leave that to another day, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're around the bend. We want to thank everybody for their time. Certainly contact us with questions, comments, complaints because we'll take all of them and we'll promise to handle everything. So thank you for listening. I hope everybody has a good day. Thank you, Sean and Mike, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thanks, David. See you soon.